0: Okay, we're back. We're live. Today, this is American Issues Take Two, and we are joined by Avi Zoyfer, a former dean of the William S. Richardson School of Law, and our regular contributor, Stephanie Dalton, and of course, my co-host, Tim Apicella. Uh, Welcome, all of you guys. Morning. So, the title of our show is, um, you know, Where is the Supreme Court Going? and i i guess what the, the implication there is uh, we we already know where it is and so we're trying to figure out what the trajectory is and and then you know the other question is how concerned should we be so uh, a part of it is that, you know is that i think it's written on the uh, state supreme court building in foley square you know, the, the firmest pillar of the administration of justice is public confidence, or words to that effect. Uh, if you lose public confidence, where are you and where are you going? Um, Tim, um, do you have any thoughts on mm, where we're going now? Uh, I, and you can
1: wrap around the question of where we are, of course. Well, we're in a quagmire. <laughs> That's where we are. Where we're going is, um, you know, there's, there's a whole, there's a plethora of options of where this could go. I mean, right now there's a bill in, in the House. It's HR 252584, and it's a proposal to increase the Supreme Court to 12 justices. This was introduced by Hank Johnson of Georgia, Jerry Nadler of New York, Senator Edward Markey, and um, uh, I think Representative Jones. And 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 here's here's the point. I mean, they obviously feel that they had to introduce this. This bill to increase from the current nine to twelve uh, for a couple of reasons. One was uh, their argument is uh, we used to have a Supreme Court judge for every every circuit district, and uh, let's get back to those days. And so that's why they, they that was one of the rationale. And then um, Johnson said this: um, from Citizens United to Shelby County, the court has been hostile to democracy. If the law suppresses the right to vote, it's constitutional. If the the law protects the right to vote, especially for black and brown voters, it's a non-constitutional item. Um, He said, it's time that we respond to this, basically. And so there's that hanging out in the weeds. And and of course, now you have uh, allegations that the Supreme Court is completely politicized thanks to Mitch McConnell.
0: Is that allegations of the reality? Javi, is that allegations of the reality?
2: You ask where the court is going. Have you got a handbasket available? (laughs) (laughs) I think uh, there is much to be said about the court, and there is even uh, more to be said, I think, about this draft opinion, which is just, foolish to talk about whether it's in the text or not, uh, if you look at other constitutional rights. Um, and it's remarkable if there were five votes. Now, we don't know that we know there were five votes for a particular result, but we don't know if they joined that draft opinion, and I assume it will change. But there's a kind of psychological need that I guess we all have uh, in certain contexts, which is we want certainty. And it is just uh, Not surprising that people want the text to give the answers, but of course they don't. You will not find campaign finance mentioned in the Constitution, for example, just for one of many examples, or Shelby County was just mentioned. And there, uh, that was Chief Justice Roberts for the court. And he basically says, well, there was a need for the Voting Rights Act, but there isn't anymore. So since when does Congress have to keep up with the times or else it's unconstitutional? I mean, it's just an amazing theory. Uh. So we're in trouble. There's no question about that. A little bit of optimism. I am an optimist, uh, despite the facts uh, from time to time. Well,
0: that Um, gives us plenty to talk about, your optimism.
2: the, the The court did stand up to Trump, not only the Supreme Court, all the other courts, right? So there is that. But more than that, I think that Justice Jackson and Sotomayor are going to be a force way beyond their two votes. They are just going to be amazing in conference. They're going to be amazing at uh, oral argument. And I think they're going to push and pull some of these justices uh, from the brink. Uh, let's hope so.
0: How does that work? Uh, I mean, put yourself in that room, the conference room, and make yourself like Brown-Jackson or Sotomayor and say, you, you guys, you're way off the mark. This isn't what the country wants. You have to change your vote. I mean, conceivably, that could even happen um, if they're, well, I don't know what their schedule is, but uh, when Ketanji is seated, um, right, coming soon, um, yeah. they could bang some shoes on the table. What did they do? They, they bring a baseball bat, a Louisville slugger, um, well, it's, know, to the Well, it, it's the reminiscent
2: of, of what Justice Ginsburg did and famously Thurgood Marshall did, which was to open the eyes of colleagues to some of the realities, the case that's usually cited about Justice Ginsburg was involving a strip search in a high school, I guess, or junior high school of, a I think, a 14-year-old girl. And she basically said, you were never a 14-year-old girl. Let me tell you what this means. And apparently it did change some of the votes. And Thurgood Marshall, they many of them said, opened their eyes with the lived experience that he was able to convey very effectively. He was a great storyteller. Uh, I think the two of them are gonna be a powerful force. I'm not saying they're gonna, immediately turn the court around. Uh, that's not likely, that's not probable, that's not in the cards, but they will, I think, move some of their fellow justices. So wait and see. And yet, sure, you know- sure we... hope so. You Go know, ahead. there's
0: there's a provision in the constitution says, and and other unenumerated rights. No? And, well, that's, uh, that's a prime friend, example.
2: Uh, yeah, the, yeah, so for the would-be textualists, here's what the ninth amendment says. The Ninth Amendment says the enumeration in the Constitution of certain rights shall not be construed to deny or disparage others retained by the people. There's the answer to what Alito and apparently a majority have agreed to. There's the answer. The constitutional text says, open sesame, the text is not the end of the question. There are other rights. They belong to the people.
0: What is is Samuel's problem? You you heard it here on ThinkTech. He,
2: I, I just noticed this. He was uh, in the lower court in Casey, as a matter of fact, dissenting. Uh, so he's been involved with these questions before he was on the court. And he's been a pretty, pretty rigid guy by all accounts uh, for a long, long time. His hobby apparently is to wake up each morning and look for shark attacks around the world.
3: That's there, there, there is a letter. You
1: Wait, you from attorneys or from real shirts? <laughs> I heard that.
3: <laughs> well, there is a letter from his classmates at Princeton, one of the first classes, um, and they've written a letter about the, his misogynistic position uh, uh, that, that it goes throughout, throughout his uh, draft. And they've, they're, they're asking um, for attention to that. Not that they expect any change, but that they feel an obligation to come forth and ex- and explain a little bit about what they know of this man, and that he's not the one to arbitrate the decision on on Roe, and that the write up is in need of improvement, to say the least.
2: He was well, a, you know, a member of a group that opposed co education at Princeton.
3: Has ah, well, you know, Princeton isn't what it
0: used to be. Uh, for that matter, uh, neither is Harvard or Yale. I'm sorry, Abby. I'm sorry I said that. <laughs> These schools,
2: no, what, have, what
0: have happened to our They're schools? a
2: lot more diverse than they used to be. But uh, when this Supreme Court gets through with the Harvard admissions case, it's going to be tougher, I suspect, and I fear.
1: Yeah. Hey, hey, Jay, I want to throw something out if I could. Okay, but after you, it has to be Stephanie.
2: Okay.
1: <laughs> um, you know, there's a lot of talk right now that. Is it really, is it really um, fair that uh, the Supreme Court is you know taking the, the tact of strict constitutionalist when the Constitution was really uh, geared for white male property owners? And is that fair that you know this strict interpretation in twenty twenty two is not taking into account all the rights that uh, people of color and, and people of uh, females and um, gay gay populations have, they've earned certain rights now. And uh, is that fair? Oh, you want to, you if it's you fair. Want to I mean, you... is that legal too?
0: Well, uh, it's not fair, clearly. Avi, um, is it legal?
2: Mm-hmm. I had a colleague who used, when a first year student would make uh, some reference to something not being fair, he would say, qu'est-ce-c'est fair? That's not what you're <laughs> supposed to think as a law student. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I do think there ought to be some connection between fair and legal. Uh,
0: yeah. yeah, And decent. Decent is good. Decent is always good. We we need to be a decent country. Uh, Stephanie, you know, there's all this noise um, in the Congress yesterday and the Senate trying to um, pass a bill, you know, codifying Roe v. Wade. And, and there'll be other bills like that, which will fail. You know, it's the way it is. Congress is broken. And uh, it's clear that the Supreme Court is also broken. But my question is, you know, if the women like you go out in the street and, you know, you campaign and make a stink and get on all the media and express yourselves, which is exactly what is happening, do you think that's going to have any effect on on Samuel and his friends?
3: No, they already did that the day after Trump's election and and, uh, around the world, as a matter of fact. But I think that what we have going on here is a matter of democratic legitimacy for the Court and the Court does not is not elected, of course, as you know, but um, without the election um, they gain their democratic legitimacy because of that they are impartial arbitrators of the law and they're also the. um, Pure reasoning. These these are people that are, are obligated to pure legal reason, reasoning reasoning and making their decisions. And there's a according to my reading of newspapers like the New York Times, of course. But there there's a there's a problem uh, in the perception of people uh, as to their impartiality and the leak. And the leak is a major fact of uh, meaning that there is uh, it is not it is not impartial and if if that leak means that the court is is not comprised of impartiality and attends mostly to pure legal reasoning, um, that means that it's political and then if it is a political institution even and without even any uh, electoral uh, uh, backing, um the court's uh likely to be perceived in another way and in a way that doesn't include demo- that it has democratic legitimacy and it may be time for people to not listen to it any longer. are they even listening to it on this latest decision so many, many people oh, that's an
2: about.
0: interesting prospect you know mm-hmm. if the if the country decided that it wasn't worth listening to them and we just didn't listen to them that would that would be a problem mm-hmm. um, and you know and- how do you how do you enforce their their decisions, you
3: know. Yeah, and so they may decide that it's time. The people may decide that it's time to reform the court and then um, and dismantle the ill-gotten majority that it holds. So it's possible that perceptions uh, and the public mood may change. Okay, about. but then
0: your answer to my question is: if all the women get out on the street and make a tsimmes everywhere in every city, every state, which is not likely to happen. Um, Is that going to change this decision? It's going to come out in July?
3: A better solution was already uh, (laughs) suggested or performed by Greece. Remember the play? I, maybe it's a Sophocles play, or one of them or is Lysistrata, where the women refuse to engage in intimacy <laughs> with any man, great hey, husband. Hey, what an idea. Life. You heard that I Think, think That's no, where not. we go if we want to make anything happen, because women won't even on to.
0: So street. Avi, what about reform? You know, I mean, I'm sure you know we've seen that for a while, and and, um, you know, I'm sure you've thought about it, and uh, they certainly they, sh- they thought about it in the days of, of FDR's attempt to court pack. Um, but is, is A, could that happen politically? Uh, and B, assume for a moment with me that it does happen. Uh, how does it change things?
2: Well, it depends on what the court reform is, and there have been uh, court reforms over time. Uh, but pointing to FDR's uh, failed and uh, badly failed court packing scheme he was a consummate politician and he had just had an overwhelming uh presidential election almost sweep uh the all-time smashing victory uh at that moment and then he got in big trouble because he took on the court which deserved to be taken on they were doing terrible things and there were the four horsemen of reaction as they were called who repeatedly. We're striking down New Deal legislation, progressive legislation even before that, in the name of avoiding socialism. Uh, Some of these things never change. Uh, But when he tried, um, he tried in a kind of ham-handed way, and it really blew up in his face. So what does that tell us? It tells us, among other things, that you gotta be very careful if you try to take on the court in a direct way clearly congress does have the authority but politically are they likely to do this i I know and like senator markey but uh, i don't see it uh, even if he's a co-sponsor of this bill but it ought to be noted that the number of justices has changed over time there's nothing in the constitution that says it has to be nine Uh, and some of those changes of course were in part politically motivated so Uh, There are other ways, and the commission, I think, did a pretty good job. They weren't supposed to make a recommendation. This is the the Biden Commission, I guess it's called, to look into reform of the court. Uh, And it might be that term limits, for example, would have appeal. uh, Before he announced his uh, retirement, Justice Breyer said, well, at least it would help me getting all these questions. I wouldn't get them anymore if I had a term limit. but I think uh, you know if it's done carefully and well, that might actually sell with the American people. On the other hand, it's not gonna get rid of the current court. I think they are necessarily grandfathered in uh, and they have these appointments for life uh, after all. So that would require a constitutional amendment.
0: Yeah, so that, you know, I've always wondered, it's grandfathered in. So the, the problem is that the um, conservative court Uh, would stay for life and the new appointees would stay for, what, 15 years. So Mm -hmm. that puts the new appointees at a disadvantage, no? It isn't necessarily a solution that way. Right. Yeah.
2: Now, what happened with FDR, of course, in part, was uh, whoever, divine or otherwise, uh, fate intervened, and a number of the justices either died or retired. uh, And that could happen at any time. We don't know. and it isn't necessarily, of course, age uh, that determines that. And that was one of the mistakes he made. He tried to say, oh, this is an aging court and they can't do their job. And even the justices who were more or less on his side said, oh, yes, we can. <laughs> we're doing fine. Thank you very <laughs> much.
0: We, we come to work every day. Uh, so Tim, you know, there was an article in The Washington Post yesterday about the fence, the unclimbable fence. I and mean, I don't know why, but this seems to be an important aspect of the fence. You can't climb over that fence, and of course there, there's security all around, and, and and all these photographs of people looking through, you know, the the, the grating of the fence at the Supreme Court. It's a new vision of the Supreme Court, and the fence is somehow um, emblematic of the distance between the public and the Supreme Court. Um, how does this affect government? We've had, you know, an ongoing failure in Congress. And uh, you know, uh, Trump in the presidency, that was a failure. And Biden may not be able to go for a second term. Trump may even come back, despite the 14th Amendment, section three. Um, and despite the sec- select committee, I mean, he's really a, a master at coming back. Um, so when the court fails, as it is, um, how does that affect the country? How does that affect the other branches of government?
1: This is not an easy question. No, it's not. It's it's convoluted. It's very difficult. Hey, but you know what? Guess what? The fence, metaphorically, and in reality, is being breached. They're climbing over the new fence, but they're hurting themselves in the process. All the local hospitals are filling up with with people that have been injured trying to climb over the fence. (laughs) And uh, to go to uh, Ari's point that maybe you shouldn't take on the Supreme Court because you might get hurt too. (laughs) <laughs> so, um, I, I think we, we've kind of touched on this a little bit about uh, this dysfunction and, and how it's affecting other avenues of government, but maybe it's government that's affecting the Supreme Court. And that is, we really, since Ronald Reagan, you know, taking in Jerry Falwell and the Immoral Majority and the influence of, of Catholics uh, in the in recent days, um, we're kind of moving into a theocracy and that's not good. Uh, I'd like to see the provisions that uh, a, a firewall so thick between church and state that you can't, you know, you can't see between it. Uh, we're not seeing that anymore. And I, I think we're losing our way as a country because we we need the political support and votes from either the evangelicals or the Catholics or whatever. And I think we've lost our way. And every president that that Bring them, brings the camels no under the tent in the form of religious groups, um, the, those candidates have lost their way. Mm. Stephanie, what's wrong with the
0: theocracy? I mean, this, this court seems to be going there. I mean, if they believe it, and uh, at least a third or 40% of the country believes it, um, maybe it's a good thing. I mean, if this is the will of the people, let's go back to, you know, witch, witch,
3: witchcraft. Hmm? <laughs> well, <laughs> they, they just are putting the burkers back on, uh, you know, across the ocean. So I, I don't think any of us want to do that. But, you know, I, I do appreciate the comment about the two new women justices and what impact they may possibly have, which I, I don't think I, I, they're very strong. I couldn't ask for more. But in the situation, I don't know if this is moving the mountain. Of course, Martin Luther King did move the mountain a bit, but um, th- it'll be interesting to watch them. But if Justice Roberts is um, in it, looking at things from uh, his perspective, that we've come to understand is uh, is more general and neutral, and maybe more democratically legitimate. I mean, he, according to the news and the newspapers. Um, you know, he's been trying to do an, another approach to it that that and and even trying to convert one other to leave the row in place, to leave that that uh, particular uh, decision in place, but uh, go but you know put in some other other things that the the majority want to have. But the point of that is what what is Roberts doing and and based on what we know he has done in the past, is he strong enough? And is he um, powerful? Wow, enough great, great questions. Bobby, he happen? seems to
0: be less strong. You know, we thought the chief justice had more, you know, clout than this. Yeah. He Can't even stop Clarence Thomas. Uh, um, he, he really, and 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 he's probably not going to be in the majority of that that decision because you know he didn't show up as the, as the writer of the decision. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. Alito showed up, so maybe he's going to write a a concurring decision uh, in part, maybe? What do you think?
2: Well, I think that's right. I mean, the, the inside baseball rule is that if the chief is on the majority side, that's what Jay's referring to, then he, uh, so far it's always he uh, assigns the majority opinion. If it's not the chief justice, it's the most senior justice. Uh, so that is some authority. And Kennedy loved that position, actually. So that's why sometimes People think he voted the way he did, so he'd be the one to assign the opinion, sometimes, of course, to himself. Uh, But I think there's a a lot in what Tim says about what's happened with religion, and it also relates to what Stephanie was talking about. The court has gone to not playing by the rules in terms of their internal stuff, their shadow docket, as it's been called, only in the last few years. The shadow docket has been there for a long time. It's where you give extra time, you say, yes, you may file that brief, that sort of thing, You know kind of technical day-to-day stuff all of a sudden they're issuing emergency orders when there is no emergency if they think free exercise is at stake and free exercise is suddenly not just equal to other speech it's actually favored over other speech and they've forgotten apparently that the first amendment has another clause about religion which is called the non-establishment clause you're not supposed to have the state mingling with religion And they're clearly doing that. And I think that's what really has pissed off Roberts actually. And he's been unable to control that because there are enough votes for them to try to just jam it through. And they've done it repeatedly about voting as well. So these are really serious things. And I think a lot of the trouble we're in can be traced back to the court. Um, Guns, for example, nobody thought there was, well, not nobody, there was no independent right for an individual to have a gun until Scalia discovered it in Heller in 2008, and then they extended it and applied to the states. Un-
0: unenumerated, County. if you will.
2: Right, and, and he had to do that by saying the Second Amendment naturally has two clauses, and that naturally kills me every time. Because he didn't believe in natural law, but suddenly he's naturally reading the text. He say I don't have to talk about the first clause, which is about the militia, I'll talk about the second clause. But I mean, when you talk about gambling, I mean, I think we really have a sports gambling scandal about to happen because it's all over all the ads when you're watching a basketball game. Uh, Here's the way we'll give you a free whatever. That's because the Supreme Court struck down Congress's authority over the states in the name of federalism. So now the states, in theory, can regulate or not, which means it's unregulated. Uh, And, you know, on and on the problems with race, the problems with voting. The court has been a major player in our crises, plural. Yeah, oh,
0: and it has changed structurally and philosophically, and even in terms of its own procedure. By the way, I noticed that so far we haven't spent a whole lot of time on the leak, and this is good because Larry Tribe said when you talk about what the Supreme Court did, you should talk about the content, not the leak. That's what he said. He's right.
2: <laughs> well, I have to go. I have to go take a leak. So no.
1: no.
0: <laughs> I hope. I hope it was nothing we said, Avi. <laughs> Sorry. So, you know, so, Tim, this, is, this, uh, this really doesn't be, speak very well. And I guess, uh, you know, you and I, Tim, have talked about, um, you know, Trump's legacy uh, for the past, what, five years. He's still giving us legacy, even now. Um, and my question to you is how much of what has happened, you know, the philosophical shift in the court, the procedural shift in the court, the whole attitudinal thing and the fence uh, outside the court. Um, how much of that do you ascribe to our friend Donald?
1: A lot. And it's, it's again, it's, it's the permission. You know, um, Governor Hawaii said, you know, when people are given permission, they act badly. And we've been given permission by the, you know, the commander in chief, the president of the United States to look past the rule of law, to look past um, poor behavior um really raunchy speech in our in the in the public you know in the, the public discourse and and now it's like okay if there's set rules that weren't and they were tradition for hundreds of years well tradition be damned because Donald Trump destroyed tradition of government even though they weren't you know um in black and white in our constitution uh so he is the wrecking ball of of many things and and it has not been, um, you know, a good day for democracy or the republic.
0: Okay, yeah, we're, we're running a little out of time here. Stephanie, I, I'd like to ask you how you think this uh, decision and other decisions that the Supreme Court will undoubtedly issue, such as in the area of contraceptives, uh, maybe gay rights as well, how is it going to affect the country? How is it going to affect our quality of life? How is it going to affect You know, the the, the marital institution, Uh, how is it going to affect the economy? Uh, in In that narrow area of human rights, how is what this court is doing, where it's going, going to affect our daily lives?
3: well we're going to see a lot more pregnant women walking around the streets of america and we're going to need some expansion of the obstetrical services at the local hospitals and it just reminds me of the book about going going allison we are going back to the 16th century what would be what would you see there that's different from now mostly and the number one thing that was all the women were pregnant OK, and the other thing was that, that the, teeth, the teeth were a problem because they didn't have dentistry. So they were all in trouble there. So um, is that I mean, and then I think we ought to have a check to make sure that all Supreme Court justices married to childbearing age women have, have either just had a baby or are having the next one. Now. So I think that's a major difference. OK, but any I mean, it's unthinkable, But and, and when I hear leaders talking about this, elected leaders talking about it, it, it's beyond um, my comprehension how they have the nerve to go against public opinion and contraception must be much, much higher than 70% opposing uh, abortion regulation or or prohibition. So um, could it happen? Yes. And I think people ought to get ready. I would hope that this is a stimulus for voters to turn out because it strengthens um, the the, uh, impact of, on on individuals' personal lives. You think they will? I'm hoping that they will. I think they they will. I mean, women have got to be thinking about this. Um, uh, not if not for themselves, for the rest of their families where they have child bearing, uh, people. Um, I mean, it, it because all we're learning about now that the Republicans want to ignore is not about. Uh, is about how it interferes with women participating in the society. I mean, things are really different from pre-birth control, you know, the 60s. There wasn't any birth control in the 60s. And, um, and even the early 70s and look at the difference. I mean, why do we have women on the Supreme Court? Why do we have women in professions? Because they don't have that, because they have control over their reproduction and the amount of, of uh, childcare they need to do personally uh, in their lives. So, it, so it, it, it will be a major shift of life.
0: Well, Style. I think we can expect a lot of major shifts. You know, one of the reasons when I framed this, Avi, um, to say, um, you know, how concerned should we be and where the court is going was with, with the thought in mind that this is only one oh, very, very important civil right, human right in the country, an enlightened human right in the country, as in most of the world, actually. There are only 24 countries out there that actually uh, uh, ban abortion. The rest of them are perfectly agreeable to it, including a number of Catholic countries right now today. But it's not just that. It's the whole thing unleashes an attack on our civil rights, on a bill of rights, on freedom of the press, which is probably the scariest one of all. So could you comment on, you know, this trend, this, this arc, this, this uh, trajectory in terms of the civil rights that we have assumed belong to us?
2: Well, it's uh... It can't be done in the name of textualism to protect a lot of the things that some of these conservatives want protected, including parental authority over the education of their children, which was, as we call it, substantive due process in a couple of important decisions in the 1920s. So that's become a big political issue, but it's not in the Constitution that parents have authority over the education of their children. I think it does finally get back to Stephanie's suggestion and Liz Estrada. I mean, it will (laughs) affect people, and particularly in that way. And uh, those things are certainly in danger, depending on how this opinion finally comes out. I doubt it's going to be what we saw in the first draft. And I was kind of surprised that Robert said it was authentic. I don't know why he did that. Uh, There's a conspiracy theory. There are many, of course, that it may have been Roberts himself who leaked it, but we'll see if we ever find out. Yeah, you wonder
0: about that. You wonder (laughs) about why Why the the reference to the thirteenth century? <laughs> really, it was really special. Um, so you know, uh, Tim. Um, again, where are we going on this? And uh, um, your your thoughts, your closing thoughts, uh, as my co-host here. Your summary of where this is going, because our discussion's not over, um, but it isn't happy.
1: I'll, I'll, where it's going is I'll take Avi's. Uh, con- Comment about where's the handbag. Um, you know, the Supreme Court, remember, they said they got it right when slavery was constitutional until they didn't get it right. They said they got it right with the internment of Japanese Americans until they didn't get it right. They now are writing a draft uh, decision about getting it right about this issue and ignoring what states are doing, which is to say, if you are a female who has been the subject of rape, the subject of incest, um, you have now said we've gotten it right that women are nothing more than human incubators and th- not, not a care or wit to the psychological damage to women by forcing them to term under a case of rape or incest. And I don't think they have it right. And so there needs to be a middle ground here on this decision. Maybe it's 15 months. I'm a Catholic. Maybe it's, maybe it's 16 months, 17 months. Um, I don't know where the exact magic number is. But to force a woman, uh, to come to term with rape or incest is outrageous, and not only that, but also lo- allow states to pass laws that they will prosecute them when they return from having an abortion service outside the state where it's illegal. That's even more outrageous, and that's where I'm going to stop because <laughs> I'm just warming up. <laughs> yes, I know. We, we live
0: in a world of outrageousness. It's not only the Supreme Court, Stephanie. I'll, I'll offer you just one last moment for rebuttal, if any, uh, Tim. And then thank I'll you. offer Avi the same. Um, All right, what, what, um, where, where are we going on this? Do you agree with what Tim said? Are you, um, are you concerned that this is a low point for the Supreme Court that from which we cannot easily recover?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think we can easily recover, and science can take us there, and can take us beyond, transcend these issues. I mean, we have medical abortion and all kinds of uh, uh, ways of operating now because of science and medicine, and I, I and that's going to be the next thing. Are they gonna, they're going to they're going to wipe out all that too. This is just <laughs> against all notions of American progress that we lead the world in. And the other issue that um, I'd like to see brought forward is the um, the womb that is uh, an artificial womb. I mean, there's got to be research going on about that so that the, uh, that people can choose to not have a, a surrogate that's a human. There also probably could be a surrogate that's not human and that has all those. Anyway, So those are pretty radical, Uh, positions. I know that, uh, and I'm Catholic too, so I understand this is very radical. It's it's not too uh, late for you guys to convert. (laughs) (laughs) But the point is that we've got to go to science, and I see no hint that any of these people on the Supreme Court are enlightened by any of that. So um, there's also better better notions we can develop out of uh, scrutiny of the viability of life and uh, I, those kinds of definitions. There's been nothing about that, and so I, I how- have this
0: vision of it's it's bedtime it's bedtime for Bonzo, <laughs> um, and um, and we <laughs> and we have the 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 wife and the husband and the the husband turns to the wife he says good night dear uh, and uh, he gives her a kiss and on the other side of the bed is uh, Samuel Alito and he turns around and gives her a kiss too because he's there with them, enjoying the sanctity of the marriage. It's a three part marriage now. Avi, you know, we have talked you and me have talked about so many times we've talked about, you know, where is the Supreme Court in terms of its historical sign curve? And we'll have to agree that there have been ups and downs in the Supreme Court since seventeen eighty nine. But where are we now? Is this one This is like a Passover question. Is this down different from all the other downs?
2: A Very good question. Um, And you are the guy who knows what question to ask, the wise son, so that's good. Uh, I think we tend to forget, and I think Jay himself tends to forget that there have been some other really serious downs, Dred Scott, of course, being one of them, Uh, but so was Plessy versus Ferguson. And the court had lasting impact Uh, There was a civil war after Dred Scott. Uh, What the court did to embrace and legitimize Jim Crow is a horrible story, which tends to be forgotten. And the court did that over many decades in the late 19th century. It wasn't just Plessy. A whole bunch of cases that did in voting rights, for example. There had been a promise right after the Civil War in the constitutional amendments and statutes. And the court did them in very quickly, very soon after the Civil War. And that lasted for a long, long time. And we're still paying the price. So, you know, how long does a down remain a down to be called a first down? Or anyway, uh, it's time to punt, Jay. It's time to punt. It's fourth down.
0: (laughs) All right. There you have it. Uh, Tim Apicella, thank you so much. Uh, Abby Soifer, Stephanie Stoll-Dalton, I leave you with only one uh, one thought. Uh, Thank you for making the
2: time. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks for your insights. I think that's what you're also supposed to say. We
3: appreciate being here. I do. I do.